0: Hey everybody, it's Jeff. Before we start today, I wanted to make sure that you knew about a special event that we're hosting on April 25th. So if you're going to NAB this year, you have to come hang out with us on Monday night. We're partnering with our friends from Central Church, our integrator partners, Summit, Skylark, and Amplio, and our good friends at Ross Video. We're going to be at Resorts World in a VIP suite Monday night, and it's going to be epic. You do not want to miss it. So go to central productions instagram click the link in their bio and sign up it's a free ticket all you have to do is show up if you're coming to nab come hang out with us on monday night you're not going to want to miss it all right let's get to the episode you are now entering the mxu podcast no credentials required well hey everybody welcome to episode 109 of the mxu podcast i'm jeff sandstrom and i'm here as always with my partner in crime lee fields we're actually in the same room together for this episode which is always awesome and we're joined today by our good friend drew bodine worship leader from central church in vegas we're here in person and we're going to have just a little conversation with drew about all things central and music and concerts in vegas that we've recently experienced yep. and everything else so how you go, how you doing boys i'm great i'm doing great too it's been awesome hanging with you guys this week
1: it's yeah it has been i've been here two weekends in a row i
2: people think i haven't been home people have been
1: like DMing me like "Don't you ever go home I'm like no i was here like a day and a half last week and same thing this time
2: so. i'm starting to think you're secretly house hunting here
1: i would i need to <laughs> not i need to not talk no <laughs> Um, when you said episode 109, all I thought about was last July when we were here and it was 118 degrees, (laughs) but it's already
0: like, Oh, it was 90 here a few days ago. Yeah. It's about 85 today, but it's dry. So it feels, I mean, it feels great outside, but when we were here last summer and it was 115, I thought that I was going to have a stroke. It was so hot. We only
2: have two seasons in Vegas summer and winter the fall and the spring just like zip by it's quick it's
1: like a week but your winter is also like some people's springs that's right it,
2: it's mild
1: but it does get cold at night like mm-hmm. in the 30s
2: yeah sometimes it freezes a little bit yeah it snows like every 10 years
1: yeah <laughs> anyway enough about the weather yeah, yeah. let's get to music so to let's start from the top and go back maybe okay so two nights ago yes us three adam and marcus
0: we went and saw Silk Sonic. Yeah, so we visited our good friend Chris Raybold, who's mixing front of house for the show. He's Bruno Mars' normal front of house guy. So when Bruno and Anderson Pack decided to make the Silk Sonic record a show that they could do live, the Chris was the obvious choice to mix front of house. It was awesome. Like I don't want to overstate how great it was, but I absolutely loved it. Yeah. It's one of the best shows I've ever seen. I think so. I think them. And I think there were a lot of reasons for that. One, obviously it sounded incredible. The band is amazing. Chris is so great at what he does. But just the experience for me as a as a music lover and as a concert goer, I loved that it wasn't about anything but the music. Right. Like it was almost like back in the day if you went and saw Prince, you were going to see the band of incredible musicians play great songs it yeah. wasn't about you know all the all the video and visuals and massive what you know what gags can we pull out of our staging and all that it was it was really just about the music and they're just such great performers i felt like i was watching two incredible showmen just doing their thing and it was it was so great I was surprised too
2: the entire time everybody's standing in the room. Yeah. I mean, what it was it two hours long? Yeah. And there was constant energy. Everyone was engaged. There were no down moments. Totally.
1: No, and like the whole crowd is dancing the whole time. It's a party. It, <laughs> it's yeah. not just like they stood up. It yeah. was like, oh, it's like when your your favorite band plays your favorite song and you like get excited. Yeah. It was eight, thousand people doing that for
0: every single song, but there were songs that they didn't know, like right. it wasn't like everybody knew every word to every no. song it was just it was just a party, even in the ballads that you know I say ballad, even in the songs that weren't like total disco, you know, yeah, that hip hop r and b weird sort of hybrid that they're doing. yeah, it wasn't a dance song necessarily, but people were still grooving and moving it was It was awesome. I wonder. So, side note, when we walked in, we had to put our cell phones in a magnetically sealed bag. Yeah, the yonder bags. Yeah, that didn't get opened until after. Like, there are no phones, no cameras, no video, nothing during the show. And I felt like that was a big part of what made the level of engagement go up a notch, is because you didn't have your phone. You couldn't be seeing the show through your camera. You were actually watching with your eyes. You had your hands free people were just having a party. It was great.
2: They even wrote a song (laughs) about (laughs) We Took Your Phones Away. (laughs) We took your phones (laughs) away. (laughs) We took (laughs) your phones away. And it
1: was great, yeah. That's hilarious. What did, Drew, what did you think about it? Because, like, being the person on stage, seeing them, like, Bruno's one of the best in the world at that. But honestly, I was shocked at Anderson. Like, I've never seen him, never even seen a video of him perform. He kind of stole the show in some ways because I think it was unexpected how yeah. much charisma this guy had. Yeah, you know? I,
0: I leaned over to Lee at one point and said, "I would just like to be that cool for one day in my life." Yeah, like the way they moved and the just the smoothness of their dancing and being able to sing and dance and there was no pretense, there was no inhibition, there was no self consciousness. It was just like you were watching these guys do what they love to do, and mm-hmm. as a performer, that's got to be just Totally next level. So what's going through your head when you're looking at that?
2: Yeah, it's insane for me because just two months ago, I watched Katy Perry at Resorts World do her. It's like a Broadway show. I mean, it's insane. She's got a full band, but all these dancers, props, et cetera, come out on stage. A toilet with a turd. A toilet with a turd. (laughs) Have you seen that picture? (laughs) I have. Yeah. It's amazing. It's really a great show, but my perspective going into Bruno, it was all about that talent on stage every single one of those guys they didn't have different people coming on and off stage and different props yeah they moved around a little bit but they were just having a blast as a band together and that was so cool for me to see like you didn't need all that yes there are fireworks yeah that adds to the the ending of the songs right for the most part it's just about the music right there were lasers and sparklers and stuff but it wasn't like
1: it wasn't all about that over the top the production was Pretty chill, right? There's a ton of lights, but they made it look like a '70s parkan rig. Yeah, so they didn't move a lot, and they had
0: like frost, frosted gels on the front to make it. Look it was like very theatrical. Very, was. Yeah, because their whole vibe is to go after that '70s like Jackson Five, Jackson Five R&B kind of. Yeah, I, I felt like I was listening to old like '70s AM radio at times, where it was just like you picture this guy, you know. Driving down the road in his massive Oldsmobile Buick with the radio on, just just chilling to the yeah to these songs.
2: One of the reasons I was disappointed my cell phone got taken away is I wanted to capture some parts of the show that I could remember yeah. for the sake of yeah bringing it into my context. You know, you're right. That's a good point. And
1: Chris just smashed it. Oh, totally. Just ridiculous.
0: Yeah, it was. It was really loud, but it never felt loud. It was like, I know, it just felt full. And, you know, it's funny. I think he was paying such attention to making it like the record, which they were going for that 70s thing. So it was a little darker, a little more covered in terms of tonality. Yeah. You know, it wasn't these super sticky, like Mm -mm. hyped up drums. It was just, it felt like you were in a club in the late 70s listening to. The Jackson Five.
1: Totally, I thought it was interesting too how Bruno Anderson and then two other vocalists they they kind of made a four person ensemble. Mm-hmm. They all wore the exact same things. Yeah, and so I would have expected like Bruno to have the kind of the superstar wardrobe and Anderson maybe have something, but they didn't. It was all the exact same. Yeah, it was really
0: interesting. Yeah, it came across like they were just just kind of a a dance band who would go out right. and do a. party it was you know they were peers obviously they're all monster players i mean the guitar player Mateus is his name oh my god i i i have no words for his guitar playing yeah and the drummer you know and the the cool thing about this you're the drummer in the band and yet several songs throughout the show bruno gets on the kit and anderson gets on the kit and they're all like equally good drummers monsters monsters crazy
2: that's nuts. So when are you going to play drums at church? I'm working on it, man. <laughs> you should.
0: <laughs> I should do it sometime just so you can have a good laugh. It's, be it's, funny. it's
2: horrible. Okay, yeah.
0: so that was a resounding 10 out of 10 in yeah. terms of experiences. So let's fast forward a little bit to last night. Yeah. So we went to dinner, and you know how like, if you want to go to a baseball game, sometimes if you— go and try to find tickets in the third inning you can get tickets for five bucks instead of 50 bucks so that's what we were trying to do last night yeah. we were coming out of dinner which was right across the street from t-mobile arena and so the show had already started and so we were like i wonder what a Billie eilish ticket would cost right now so we looked on StubHub, and it was like 40 bucks yeah down from hundreds of dollars yeah so we were like we should go and just check out the end of the show yeah so we did For me, it was the opposite experience of the Silk Sonic show. Keep going. From a Sonic perspective. Okay. So let's (laughs) unpack that a little bit. I mean, keep going. Without without offending people. Well, I, because some of the people who are involved in that show might hear this someday. So I I don't want to be, I don't want to be like throwing anybody under the bus, but I just expected it to be. The funny thing, okay, so here's something we can talk about. If you watch somebody's video of the yeah. experience, on my phone, I took a couple of video clips, my phone sounds better than the PA did. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure that out. It was so soft. And her vocal, like, she sings so softly. I mean, she, her, her album, she's whispering. Yeah, the whole thing is just so... Soft. So I guess they're trying to recreate that live. I don't know. But they've got this massive K1 rig in this massive arena, and it never, like, never took off. Never took off. Never really engaged me in terms of what you would expect a live show in a big PA to do.
1: Yeah. And, you know, we're not the ones behind the faders. So who knows what he's struggling with. Right. She was eating the mic. She was on a it looked like a V7, an S E, so it's a dynamic mic. Yeah. Um, I don't know for sure that there were vocal tracks or not. There might have been. There might not have been. But maybe he has to keep it that quiet because she's in front of the stage or she's in front of the PA most of the show. Yeah.
0: And maybe it would have took off. But it was But there's only there's her, there's two players on stage. Her brother Phineas is doing most of the legwork on all the instruments, and a drummer. The drummer has a drum shield yeah, and was playing so soft. It was like, I don't know. It just didn't fit the arena vibe to me at all. Yeah. That's gotta be a hard sound to
2: recreate live. What you hear on her. Yeah. It's gotta albums. It's gotta be. Yeah. It's gotta be. Yeah. But it's yeah. a
0: ton
1: of tracks though. You know, there's it two is. guys on stage. Yeah. A bunch of tracks and one's a drummer. So it's easy to turn tracks up. So I think it surely has to do with his ability to get that vocal under control at high volume. Cause I, if I had to guess, it was 91, 92
0: dB. Wow. I don't think it ever got... Uh, the crowd got above 95, just in between songs. But we could sit in our seat and have this conversation this at this volume, volume yeah. and not be distracted by the PA. Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. Um, w-
1: you and I have had this conversation before about church and volume. I remember coming here, and we can talk about our history, but I remember coming here. Back in the day when you guys were trying to kind of turn the ship and have things be a little more aggressive, a little more energy, we would turn the volume up a little. And then I remember like talking to your board about it, you know, and you were trying to communicate why you as a worship leader needed
2: the energy in the room to go up. Talk about that. Yeah, a couple learnings that we've had over the years. One is we start two minutes beforehand. The band just slowly doing a crescendo yeah, into worship smart. and it just slowly warms people's ears up so when we come in full yeah. to, to an intro of a song it's not just like i we always you you and i've had this conversation it's like getting in your car from the night before yeah and you've left your volume up because you were jamming out having a good time you shut the car off and then you turn it back on and the radio pops on at the same volume you're like yeah. oh dang why is that yeah. so loud yeah and you throw it down and then slowly Work your way back up to the volume you want to hear, yeah, so that's kind of our approach to it. But um, there's been some great perspective you've shared over the years. Like not everything needs to always be over a hundred decibels, right. There are moments where your first song, it can be ninety five and feel great. You're yeah. just warming people up. And in the right moments, when the crowd's into it, when people are engaged, you're turning it up just a little bit more and a little bit more. They don't even, it's almost like they wouldn't even know it went up that loud. Right. When I was at the Bruno show before Silk Sonic, Anderson Pack, it was probably around 95 to 98 for most of the show. And it still felt incredible. Yeah. Um, But I think some, especially younger leaders, worship leaders in general, just think that yeah. the louder it it is the more people are going to get engaged. And that's not always the case. And I've I've had to learn that over the years.
0: I love the idea, though, of that ramp up. like Because some churches struggle with people out in the lobby grabbing their coffee or talking to their community group or whatever, and they feel like their cue to get into the auditorium is halfway through the first song, okay, let's go in. You guys are setting the table for that by kind of doing a preheating of the room with that, you know, what you're playing before the first song, I love the idea of, okay, that's our, that's our cue to get in the room so that when we start, this call to worship is actually with people in the room ready to go.
2: Yeah, exactly. And all we do is we just take stems from the song and build layers. And then the drums come in with the bass eventually, and it's just a giant crescendo
0: all the way into the first song. I didn't know that's why you guys did that. Yeah, it's just to warm people's ears up i love that well i'm mixing today and tomorrow for the weekend and so i can't wait to experience that firsthand because you know now knowing that i have a different perspective on how to approach that because now knowing that and we talk about communication between the worship side and the tech side all the time on this podcast so me hearing that from you the worship leader it it informs my perspective in a different way sure so i know now the intention behind what we're doing So now I'm going to do what I can to make that moment even more compelling so that by the time we get to that downbeat, it's like, okay, we're ready to go. Yeah, exactly. And there is a fine line
1: when it's too quiet and it's taking energy and impact away from the crowd. Not that we don't need anything more than God's Word to energize and impact impact people, right? Jesus juke. But there is a point where you as a worship leader can probably feel like, it feels too quiet to me by looking at them yeah is that fair yeah mm-hmm.
2: absolutely there's moments i've been up there and i've even asked adam did you keep it down a little bit It didn't feel like people were slight engaging i can yeah. almost feel it in the stage too yeah yeah um and, and the answer when i do feel that way is yes it is was a little softer but yeah. there has to be mutual trust with adam and myself Of he's He's not feeling like this is the moment to push it.
0: Yeah, right. That's good. Well, and I think the word impact that you just used is how I would describe my takeaway from last night. Obviously, I'm not a 14 to 24-year-old female who's a huge Billie Eilish fan. so uh, Color me surprised. <laughs> but the impact part is what I was missing. Yeah. It was like I wanted... I wanted to be engaged. I wanted to really love it. I, I I was super curious because the production overall is so creative. Musically, I wanted it to match what I was seeing. Yeah. Mm. And that would have been super engaging if there had been more impact. Yeah. Because visually, that show is stunning. Oh, yeah. It is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really insane. incredible.
2: I wonder what it would be like if when she came out on stage as a little more Avril Lavigne. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that would be a shock. It would. I yeah. mean,
1: yeah, it was. I need more time to reflect on it, but it was surprising. Even the crowd was chill. Like I've been to an Ariana Grande show and Bieber, and the crowd's moving.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: you know. Now her songs, Billy's, they're not like high energy. Right. It's not, not dance. pop dance songs. Right. It's like let me sit in a dark corner and put my knife away. It's what, it, <laughs> what it feels like. <laughs> it's terrible. But that's what it feels like. Um. So. Okay. You've mentioned Adam's name a couple of times. So let's talk a little bit about your history here. We usually, we start the podcast this way, but yeah, you've been here a long time, dude, 20 years, 20 years. And we're about the same age. Yeah. So it's not like you're 50. So exactly. Tell us careful. oh yeah. (laughs) Sorry. Tell us how you and your family got here and your role, how you started and all the way up to what you're doing now.
2: Yeah. We're originally from the Midwest. My mom led my dad to Jesus and then after he made a decision to follow Jesus, he said, "I don't. I, I want to go into ministry." And my mom, who's a Christ follower already, is like, "I don't want you going into ministry." Wow. Anyway, I um, never knew that before part. I that's, was that's born. That's really cool. Yeah, before I was born, um, my dad was in ministry, and then uh, so I'm in the Midwest. Already enter into a ministry family. When I'm four, we move out to Albuquerque. Spent 11 years out there at a church that basically transitioned from a a Southern Baptist church to a non-denominational. So we were able to, at some point in our childhood, stop wearing suits and ties, and they got rid of the orchestra and choir, etc. Found a drum kit. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, And then we moved to Las Vegas in 2000. Um, I was a sophomore in high school. I was looking for a job, applying at Starbucks and Albertson Smiths. And our production manager here at Central hit me up his name is Curtis Templeton. He's like, hey, I hear you have some experience doing production work. Okay, hold on. That's about the <laughs> fifth
1: time his name has come up on this podcast. We have to have him
2: on here. Oh, yeah, for yeah, sure. We definitely do. He's a great guy. Um, I knew simple things. I could, you know, terminate a coax cable and build TV carts. And that's what I did at my church in Albuquerque yeah. um, as a 14-year-old. So, And your, your dad was working here at that point? my dad was working here. Okay. What job did he take when he moved here? He was the executive pastor under Gene Apple before Gene left to go to Willow.
0: Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah.
2: Yeah. A lot of history. A lot of history. So, um, anyway, uh, I took a simple part-time production job. I'd literally leave school. I'd come and label VHS tapes. In fact, someone asked me recently, can we get rid of all these VHS tapes? I'm like, No, because I labeled every single one of them. (laughs) Wow. And until they converted to, you know, put on Dropbox, you know, no. Um, Clean the catwalks. Uh, There's a funny story. Somebody who worked here decided to ask OSHA to come in and kind of rate us on how we're doing.
0: That's like the worst idea. Oh my gosh, that's (laughs) like calling
2: CPS on the tech guy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, inviting OSHA into a church is probably the worst idea for any production team. Yeah. One of the things they
2: had on their list is you need caution tape in the catwalks where someone might hit their head.
0: So guess what Drew's new job was? <laughs> that was my
2: job. <laughs> There's still some caution tape up there to this day, but I cleaned uh, filters on amp racks, everything. My, my job was very utility production. But alongside that, I was serving as a worship leader in high school ministry. Not paid for that, but that's really where I got my training wheels for Um, today as a worship leader
0: that's awesome but one of the things i love is that you come to the stage understanding what it takes from the production side to pull off everything that you guys do yeah and so obviously a lot has changed around here in those 20 years yeah you weren't doing jurassic park and dinosaurs on easter sunday back then (laughs) no but in order to be able to do that it helps so much to have the perspective from the worship leader of knowing what it takes to pull off what we're asking these guys to do creatively. So that, that to me, just opens up, again, a, a new layer of understanding yeah. of how you guys are able to do what you do. Yeah, so
1: your current role, I don't know what your title is, executive worship pastor, probably.
0: Something like that. Something <laughs> like that,
1: right. So you're over all worship, production, communications, marketing, graphics, and films, yeah, film, whole kit and Caboodle, right you haven't had that role, but for the last ten years, probably
2: yeah, it was in two thousand and twelve when I stepped into this role, yeah, uh, my oh. former boss Michael James Murphy, who was a recording artist, yeah um back in the you know sandy Patty days, and yeah Michael W. Smith when he was at his prime, uh, he was my boss, and that's really he's the one who gave me uh, more and more leadership as time went on, and when yeah. he stepped out, it was just like. A natural progression of, yeah. Drew, take the wheel. So. And so 10 years ago, how old were you? 27
1: six, <laughs> yeah, right? 27, yeah. Running the worship department for one of the largest churches in America. Yeah, it's pretty insane. Yeah, at that point. Humbling.
2: You, I really, I still don't know what I'm doing. I mean, well, we don't either. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we don't either. Like, I, I mean, I've been watching you guys since you and I met in 2010. Yeah. So we've known each other for 12 years. And what surprised me then about this place and still surprises me today is how long people stay here.
2: Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I'm not just talking about senior pastor, campus pastors.
2: Yeah. Like the whole team. Phil.
1: Yeah. Brian.
2: Yeah. Drummer,
1: guitar player. How long have those guys been here?
2: Yeah. So Brian's been with me for 20. Phil, 15. Blaze, 15. John Gant, our guitar player, rhythm. Ten years. Yeah, yeah, that just doesn't. Over seventy years. Yeah.
1: So you're gonna have to do something you hate doing and talk about why you're awesome because a lot of that has to do with you. Mm. What What do you think it is? Like, what's your leadership style? What's important to you that you feel like makes those guys want to stay here for that long?
2: You know, I've, I've made a lot of mistakes over the 20 years, especially. Um, in the last 10 years as an executive of how I've led people, uh, even people that I didn't agree with and had to transition off the team or who didn't agree with me, you know, vice versa. Um, But I think one of the things that makes us unique, um, Pastor Judd recently said this in a conversation to our executive team, he said, Drew's team is the most honoring team of any team here at Central. And why is that? And I stopped and I I basically said, that's a value we talk about like every week in our team gatherings. Um, I did some research years ago. There's a story uh, in the Bible where Jesus is in his hometown and he says, they do not honor me, therefore I cannot perform miracles. He didn't say I will not. He said, I cannot. Wow. Meaning he's the son of God unable to do the work of the father. And so my perspective on that is when you honor, you enable the person you're working with to do the work of the Father. And so for me, it's something that we constantly talk about and we contextualize. Like, hey, today um, I went to, uh, you know, I, I needed to go to a car shop and Adam met me down there, recorded a video how to get down there, went in and talked to the guy, made sure that when I got there, I could just literally hop in his car and get straight to church. He went out of his way to help me. Um, man it really empowered me that day to do more rather than focus on this whole car issue i'm having to go through so we share stories like that constantly of the ways that we try to honor each other um craig rochelle has a a podcast and a, a blog where he talks about went into a church and for an entire year they're trying to figure out why their church isn't growing he sat in their board meetings and he said after a year they would have thought okay Craig, tell us, do we need to turn the volume up, turn it down, add a Wednesday night, take away the Wednesday night? And Craig said, you guys just don't honor each other. And he goes around and calls everyone and each and every one of them out. Wow. For over a year's worth of stuff that had been going on, that you guys don't honor your senior pastor and you don't honor each other. He said, one year after that, they didn't change a thing about their ministry, except they started honoring each other and honoring their pastor and they doubled in size. And even like other outside organizations who study this word honor and cultures that are, have an honoring culture yeah. are three times more successful than those that don't. And so it's something for me. And it's like, even as a leader, like I care about the needs of m- m- the guy running the camera. I care about, the, if I have a team member who's in the hospital, we, in fact, we just recently had someone end up in the hospital. I went and visited them. It's those types of things. Like I have to model that first. But I also expect it back. And if you're a team member who just doesn't show your team honor, like you're the first to go because you're you're absolutely crushing the spirit of the team and the nature in which we love to run together. I have guys in my backyard almost every other night hanging out with me around the fire pit and talking life. These are my team. It's not just a team of people who do work for me. It's a team of people that are my family.
0: I yep. think that's what makes it the most distinctive is because a lot, of, a lot of people hear the term a culture of honor and they only assume that it's a bad, like it's gotten a bad reputation. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the term honor culture yep. is a dangerous thing because most people assume that it's just from the bottom up and that there's a senior leader who expects to be treated a certain way and expects to be honored and that gets corrupted pretty easily. We've got documentaries out right now on the problems with that kind of stuff, whether it's a podcast or a documentary or a story or whatever. There's a lot of churches who've gotten a bad rap for having that kind of culture. But what I love about how you describe it is that it starts from the top and filters down to the rest of the team. And it's, it's a mutual submission, a mutual humility, a mutual open-handedness. It's serving each other. Yeah you know, kind of like the Bible says we're supposed to do. It's like we're, we're going to honor each other and love each other as we've been shown the love of Christ and how we serve. Like you say, it's just going to be exponentially more powerful and the impact is going to be that much greater because of how much we are just all in for each other. Our team value actually
2: says 360 honor, honor up, honor down, honor all around. And so it's not just about honoring up to the top. Even in staff meetings, Judd will often say, my job here at Central is the lead servant. Yeah, Not necessarily the senior pastor. I'm the lead servant. Yeah, He always talks about flipping the org chart upside down. And it's the same for me. That's so
0: good.
1: Yeah. And I'm good enough friends with you guys that I would call you on it. (laughs) And and, I'm serious. Like, I would tell you like, hey, your guys are doing this because they're afraid of you. And that's not is what's happening here, and I've seen that in other churches. So like when you say up down and all around, it's not just something that a church puts on a wall. You guys are actually doing it. And I think you're probably right. The reason these guys have been here for so long because you've created a culture that people just want to be a part of. Yeah. you know people, when they quit jobs, they don't quit the job, they quit the leader, right we all, We've all heard that. yeah, and they're not quitting you dude. It's a good job.
2: Thanks, man. You know, one of the things that makes it awesome too is like, if I just even need to go coach Jack on a lighting cue, like he knows that just two days ago he was hanging with me in the backyard, yeah. talking life, laughing. He's my friend. right? <clears throat> and so I'm just coming to him. Yes, I'm a the leader of the team, but he doesn't see me that way as I step in the booth and coach him on something. He just sees it as a, this is my friend giving me a great perspective, right? you know, and that's, and, some, and it doesn't always work that way. Sometimes you definitely have to be like, hey, I'm not just asking. I'm saying this is what needs to get done. Sure. But rarely do I think any leader on our team have to exercise that kind of yeah. attitude with somebody.
0: Sure. But without that relational capital, then it's too easy to just take the criticism personally and take it as a ding against your character or a ding against your ability or a ding against your talent. And it's like, no, it's not about that at all. Yeah. I just want to massage this moment and make this transition happen in a little bit of a different way, because we're still buds. It's not again. It's not about you. It's about the experience, and and that's just a totally different, you know, way to come at it.
2: Especially for artists. Yeah, it's like you take it personal when someone says you didn't sound great on that song. It's like, just take that and understand, like that's okay. Yeah, for someone to say that to you.
1: Yeah. Okay, um, two other things I want to talk about. I, I don't want to forget this. I'm going to say it so you guys make me come back to it because I will forget. I want okay. to talk about people that used to be here. There's a couple stories of where people have come from or from here. That's cool. But the uh, next thing is like COVID really has done a number on church staff health and, you know, how. Just the general climate of burnout in the church is just through the roof right now. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it has to do with COVID, not COVID causing it, but attendance dropping. It's putting senior pastors in freaking tornadoes and they're adding stuff all the time. And now everything's online. And then we got staffs leaving and they're not rehiring because they can't find people. And it's just a mess everywhere. I feel like you guys have gotten healthier through it. Like even when I look at Adam and like y'all schedule and first of all, you show up on Sunday mornings, 9am is the call time for the production team here. <laughs> I know that's unique to Vegas cause you don't have to do an 8am service, but th- that fricking helps. But I feel like you guys are like a bit in, you work really, really hard. You guys do, but you're, it also feels like you're kind of in cruise control. Does that make sense?
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: like, Everyone listening to this right now is so jealous. Like, how did this? How did COVID get better for them? But it, I, it, to me, from the outside, it feels like it has.
2: I, one of the things that's crazy about COVID is when everything shut down in Vegas, you think about it. Like, if you work for a tech company, it wasn't hard to shift to Zoom meetings and right. working from your house. A lot of people had that luxury. When you're dealing blackjack yeah. cards and you're cleaning hotel rooms and cooking food for people on the strip like you don't have a job the whole thing shut down so the food insecurities in las vegas skyrocketed overnight we had people waiting at our food pantries so prior to the pandemic central handed out over eight hundred thousand pounds of food a year yeah since the start of the pandemic i want to say right now we're around 15 million pounds of food handed out since the start of the pandemic oh my gosh so Whoa. it has drastically increased
0: 20 years worth of food in the span of two years
2: exactly wow and the lines to get food are miles long we have to have the police help us it pours out onto the main vessels or streets and it's insane but our whole staff during the pandemic had to like figure it out like how do we serve these needs um and so i was like learning how to like make a website um, learning how to use Premiere to edit videos to help tell the story so that funds could be raised or basically even just awareness of what was going on in these times. And then obviously, like most churches, we had to completely shift online. I'm thankful that we already had a church with an online, um, but we became an online church like most people overnight. And even during that time, too, helped a lot of churches. There was a church, a Presbyterian church right down the road who reached out to us and like, yeah. We know you guys have an online. Can you help us? And I'm like, yeah, we're sitting three or four guys over. We'll make it work for you. That's yeah. great. Yeah. But um yeah, it's we we definitely run pretty hard here, but yeah. the nice thing is is like around Christmas and then over when it's hot as hell in Vegas, yeah. we get out of town and we rest. Yeah. I know guys that work for church movements our size who they say you get two weekends off a year, but they still work 52 weekends 100%. And that's just not our culture here. Yeah. We celebrate, like, get out of town, take time off, take a couple weekends to breathe here and there. Yeah. So that's been one of the reasons why we can run hard. Yeah.
1: That's awesome. Okay. So, uh, fun fact about Central. um, I met this guy probably 12 years ago, Aaron Stewart, um, from Central back in the day. Yeah. Founder of Planning Center. Yep. Yep. And is the story accurate? We can ask him this too, but he was here on staff, had that idea, went to leadership and said, Hey, I got this crazy idea. And they weren't really that interested. It seemed kind of a crazy idea. And he's like, cool, I'm going to go start this thing. And now it's planning center.
2: I don't remember people not being interested in it. Okay. Okay. Put this in perspective. My job at the time was copying all of the charts and CDs, putting them in packets, putting them out in the hall so that you can come get your packet. I also mailed out letters. I didn't get confirmations from people whether or not they're going to play drums on the weekend. <laughs> a check mark. The way I knew they were is they picked up their packet. It's like accepting your offer. Oh my gosh! That's so amazing. then I'm like, <laughs> if if there's a packet out there on Tuesday and it's almost the weekend, I'm like ringing that person. Are you? Did you get the calendar? Like, so anyway, Aaron shows me this, and we were blown away. Like, I don't even think they had the check marks at the time. It was he was just, playing keys, singing. Yeah, yeah. Um, He's an incredible musician, incredible leader, thinker, and his co-founder, Jeff, him and Jeff pieced together Planning Center. We're the second organization on Planning Center, Central Church. I was user number nine. No way. Wow. User number nine. Listen to this. Somebody, a volunteer with a great heart, deleted my account and I lost (laughs) my user number. (laughs) So I called Jeff, the founder, and I said, is there any chance you can give me that back? He goes, I can. However, user number five was a robot. So if you want to be user number five, I'll, I'll upgrade you a little bit. I'm like, take it. <laughs> so you're number five on there right now? <laughs> that is hilarious. That's like,
0: funny. That's like a friend of mine back in the day who was really big into World of Warcraft. He was like the world ranking for World of Warcraft. He was top 50. And so when he got married, He decided, his wife decided, (laughs) (laughs) you're not going to be playing World of Warcraft every night till 4 a.m. So he sold his ranking. So you could sell your planning center ranking. Yeah, all right. So
2: we'll put the website up at the end. (laughs) That's hilarious. That's funny. Uh, Even at that time, too, like we were using Audacity to to convert MP3s to keys that you needed to listen to them. And those were functionality ideas that we would sit around and talk about. Like, What if planning center just did this automatically? Yeah. It's incredible what they've built. Oh, they're awesome. unbelievable. That's so And good. great guys.
1: Yeah. Okay, second person is Corey Edwards. Corey. So I, I've told this story. Yep. I met Corey. He was 15. I'm here working on your PM1D at the time on a weekend, and there's this kid, and a literal kid on the Grand GrandMA2 at the time, and he's just programming away. And then the service starts. There's no one on the lighting console, and then that kid is now on stage playing guitar, and he was sending MIDI from Ableton to the console to run all of his cue changes, and no one was even there. And then after the service, I was like, "Who's that?"
0: Yeah. And then you're just like, "Oh, that's Corey, kid. He's awesome. He's a freaking wizard." Because then, not too much later, I was here with Tomlin at the Henderson Pavilion doing a show and Corey shows up side stage just to kind of hang out and learn and ask questions. And I'm like, yeah. who is this kid? Yeah. I mean, absolute wonder kid with yeah. audio and lighting. And I'm going, this kid is going to be massive someday. Yeah. We were all saying that. And then sure enough, you know,
1: now he's not a kid anymore. He's no, he's not he's getting he's, close to 30. And he still has childlike skin though. And has a child and beautiful family. And, I called him last week because I needed help with something. And I'm like, hey, really explain this to me. I don't understand it. Yeah. So that's how far he's come. Anyway, he he comes from your team.
2: Yeah. What's crazy is, so Corey, you know, really kind of came out of nowhere, started attending Central and was helping in our youth world with production and music. And um, he's 16 years old, maybe even 15 at the time. Um, Our production manager stepped out of his role at Central. And I was brand new to the team. And I needed somebody to run production, and around that time you had come into Central. Yeah, rocked my world. By the way, like, and and I asked you to come back out and work with our team, and you saw some of the challenges and complications we were having. But you also around that same time discovered Corey. This kid's very talented. Yeah, um, he was programming lights and was mixing, but just overnight, like one time of you working with him on his mix for front of house like the auto audio quality just went up tremendously now now where cory may have gotten into trouble is he was that 16 year old who'd push it right out the gate right <laughs> yeah. right right we're getting texts from leadership like hey yeah. turn it down yeah but no doubt cory is one of the most talented human beings i've ever met in my life 100 percent. and it's been so cool to watch him as he kind of graduated on from central which before he graduated high school, like his dad's calling me, like, Can you just make sure, like, encourage my son to complete high school? I'm yeah. Like, I'll do what I can. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I can't not. babysit him all. The yeah. Way <laughs> we had a little uh, coalition of making sure
1: Corey ended up on the right track. And thank God he did. He That's did. So
2: but it's been so cool to see him and all the opportunities God's opened for him. It's yeah. Remarkable.
1: That's very cool. So, yeah, you guys have just had crazy stories of people coming out of this place. It's really cool. Um. so what's new with you you guys now you're not just doing music for your church you guys are doing albums you got stuff on the radio you're playing around the country now that's freaking exciting
2: yeah yeah so uh we just completed our first album in three years four years heaven's on the move uh coming out soon if not by the time you listen to this might already be out but yeah um yeah, no, It's uh, we wrote 15 songs, wrote with Steve Fee, who wrote Glory to God Forever, All Because of Jesus, I'm Alive. Many of you may know these songs. Jesse Reeves was a part of the Tomlin Band. Yeah, he was. Oh, one of great my... Great is our God. <laughs> yeah.
0: One of the greatest humans on the planet. Jesse and I go way back, and he's one of my favorite people in the world.
2: Um, Mitch Wong has been writing with us. He's from Planet Shakers, but he's writing with everybody. I just saw oh, yeah. him the other day with Joel Houston and... Brandon Lake writing music, I'm like, how do I get in that room? Right. Um, and uh, Paul Duncan, Lauren Daigle, a lot of songs that uh, she sings, he's written with her. Uh, It's yeah, it's been uh, David Cook from SEU Worship. I don't want to forget anybody, but it's just been really awesome.
0: The songs are amazing. Like just you know, Adam was on the MXU tour and used a couple of the songs as tracks that he mixed live for us and. What i love about it is how well it represents what you guys are doing locally in your ministry and how it's it's like the stories of the church have become these songs that are now going to go out to the world to not only express what you guys are doing at central but to really express in a super tangible way people's need for jesus generally yeah because of just what vegas is in terms of this culture and how you've seen people go from death to life literally at central and how that is such what everybody needs in the world it's like these songs have a power in them that i think is unique to your expression of faith here in vegas so it's you know i I don't want to i don't want to overstate that part of it but i really feel like god is gonna just smile on that and use that as a way to engage people in a way that maybe some other songs lately haven't been able to do.
2: Yeah. One of the things we love doing too, I mean, there's not a ton of this in the market, but just more of those upbeat celebratory songs. Can I Um, get another (laughs) upbeat worship song, please? Yeah. Yes. um, That's what every senior pastor hopes that their
1: worship team would do, but they don't want to also.
2: Yeah. But I'm, I'm really pumped about this album. We've worked with great people um, in, in and out of the studio to really write and compose and arrange these tunes. So we're hoping to take more of that on the road. Um, we've got some more dates coming up here in the future, but uh, yeah, I, l- I love getting to share these songs even outside of Central. But to be honest, there's nothing better than the home team. Like yeah. Worshipping with the Central family every weekend. Um, even with how we write these songs, Judd's always said, when I deliver my message, I just want to give people hope. But I also want to I want to make it easy for them to understand who God is, who Jesus is, and that he loves every person. And he talks about taking the cookie jar and putting it on the bottom shelf just so people can have that access and understanding. And I try to take that same perspective into our songwriting. Don't overcomplicate the lyrics. Yeah. Don't overcomplicate the theology in the song. My my faith is deep, and I want other people to experience the same depth of the faith that even I have. Yeah. And I want to be even deeper when I see other guys in fact i'm reading this book that's sitting on the table gentle and low lowly it's incredible but um i uh when i'm introducing someone to jesus i need to simplify it for them and even in our songwriting our lyrics just try to really make those simple and understandable
1: yeah. we feel the same way about multi compression <laughs> we just <laughs> like this is so accessible to people if they'll just
0: that was a terrible joke that was a terrible joke yeah but i love i love that The way you express that, because when you read the stories of Jesus and the disciples in the gospel, especially when the disciples are called, it's not like, okay, follow me if you can do this and check this box and behave this certain way and wear this certain thing and do this. It's like, follow me, period. And they dropped everything and said, sure. It's like he was irresistible. And so the more we can kind of convey that irresistibility in the simplest way possible, that's going to that's gonna be how you make Jesus followers. Exactly.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty epic, especially being in a city like Las Vegas. I mean, you're not just reaching unchurched people. And When I say unchurched, I'm talking about somebody who maybe grew up in the church, fell away from the Lord, and then came back. And they have some perspective because they went to Bible school growing up. We're we're talking about people who are no-churched, like don't understand Scripture. Never John three sixteen is a poster at a football game to them, right? Um, Tithing or giving or even just the idea of having to read the Bible. It's like just give me a verse a day to read, yeah, and tell me how to understand this verse before you tell me to go read the Bible in ninety days, right? (laughs) Um, Yeah, and, and it's cool because we get to help people brand new christians brand new faith no understanding and um, some people who come here don't even know how to pray and it's just simply teaching them how to pray it's it's amazing the type of people who walk through our doors in las vegas so
1: it's awesome man it's awesome well you've got a service to do in about well you got a sound
0: check very very soon yeah sound check's in about 15 minutes so we need to go cuz i'm actually i need to be the guy behind the console so i need to figure out what i'm doing that's right but before we leave Las Vegas, we need to tell people about something special we have going on if you're coming to Las Vegas for NAB. That's right. So, Lee, fill everybody in on how we're partnering with Central and some of our other partners to make the NAB experience this year better and different and more awesome than anybody's ever had at NAB.
1: Yeah, so NAB in Vegas here in end of April is kind of the first conference back really Feels yeah, like. first,
0: first trade show really
1: since the pandemic right so adam and the central production team decided to throw a little party and us here at mxu ross worship Skylark amplio and summit are all teaming up and we have rented a unattainable vip suite at resorts world that is not even open to the public i hear your team went and met with those guys and there's this suite that's only available for like Paris Hilton's wedding was about it this year so far
2: apparently one of our teams sat in the lobby and waited till like an executive director walked by to say can we rent this room I (laughs) mean that's how exclusive it is I've seen pictures my gosh yeah I saw a couple
1: pictures it's insane so it's a free party And it's going to be a good time. It's Monday night of NAB. And then how you're going to sign up, you need to go to Instagram and go to Central Production's Instagram page. And it's just Central Production, all one word. And
0: click the link in their bio and sign up for free. Yeah, so it's a free ticket. It's Monday, April 25th. And it's going to be awesome. So we'll leave it at that.
2: And which, by the way, if you're here for NAB, come check out Central
1: yeah we'll, we'll do a little open house tour i think there is going to yeah. be one of those details coming yeah. on that but yeah for sure
0: can't wait all right fellas well, well drew thank you so much yeah it's thanks thanks always for having so great to hang and i love i just always love hearing your heart and i love seeing the way you and the team serve each other so well so this weekend is a thrill for me to be here can't wait to see what god's gonna do and thank you for being here with us today thank you guys